0: Hello, and welcome to OU's Nach Yomi. You can find this year posted at OUradio.org. Slash nach Or on my website, ericlevy.com, under the recording section. Good evening, this is Rabbi Eric Levy, and I am pleased to bring to you Chapter 20 of the Book of Eov. Vayan Sofar vayomar. So far, the third of the companions, is in this second cycle of discourse, responds and says that Essentially, he is moved to speak because Eov ridiculed them as well as their wisdom. Lachein means therefore, and he must therefore be referring to one of Eov's or some of Eov's assertions that he wants to contradict. But to know which assertions Sofar is targeting, because Eov has done a lot of assertions so far, uh, we will really have to see what Sofar says, and then we could work backwards and try to figure out which idea uh, of Eov's is being contradicted. Lachain in Arabic, by the way, also means not so, sort of the opposite of the Hebrew version of it. And this may also be the sense here. It's sort of short for low-cain, not so. Um, returning to the verse, my thoughts bring me to respond for the sake of the feelings that I have, or the feeling that I have. What he seems to be saying is that because of the way Eov made him feel, he feels compelled to respond. Now Rashi translates the word chushi from the root chasha, which means to be silent, and others like chashash, to be concerned about. But I think this the word is really being used in the same sense that it is in Kohelet, where Kohelet says, mm-hmm. who eats and who feels or who has physical uh, uh experiences uh, more than I do. Uh, and I, as I said, I think that's the sense here. When I hear the reproof that causes me shame, or is meant to cause me shame, my windy understanding answers for me. The word ruach I'm translating is, as windy. And this seems to be, if that's correct, this seems to be a sarcastic response to Eo's insult in chapter 16, when Eov says, Kita anen, is there no end to the windy words, else what motivates you to keep on responding? So Sofer says, I'll tell you what makes me respond, you do. Um, it's also possible that Sofer is using the word ruach as Eliphaz did, which means a spirit. So just like Eliphaz said he received his wisdom from a spirit from above, Sofer says he gets his wisdom from a ruach mi binati, an internal spirit uh, from his own intelligence. Don't you know that is the following is what I'm about to say is true? From forever, from the time man was placed on this earth. And now we get to the actual universal truth that so far does not understand why Eov doesn't get. That the joy of the wicked is instant, meaning it's instant gratification and it's short-lived the happiness of the profane person lasts but a moment. Even if the top of his head will be elevated to the sky and even if his head will reach to the clouds, like his excrement, he will be lost forever. Those who look for him will say, where did he go? He will flitter away like a dream, and they will never find him. He will be scattered like a night vision. Although in in modern English we might say it dissipates or or vanishes. But uh, here it's using words of scattering or flittering. The eye that beheld him no longer will. His place will no longer be seen. Now, in modern Hebrew, the word shazaf, l'shtazeif, means to get brown by the sun. But the original sense comes from the idea that the sun is looking down at you. Um, in Shira Shiram it also has that sense uh, where the sun is looking down at you, but then it's matched up with the word ra'ah, to see, which means really to kind of focus in on something for whatever effect might happen. Getting back to the verse, this is a direct negation of Eov's assertion, that the wicked and the good are all treated the same, and, and and perhaps more closer to the other assertion that Eov said, which is that the wicked prosper due to their wickedness, and so based on that or based on those two things, Eov said that God is unjust. First, he lets the wicked prosper because of their wickedness, and in and and he treats wicked and the and the righteous just the same. So it so far says, listen. The fact that the wicked benefits, those are short-term gains, but in the long run, the wicked will disappear. But more than just disappearing, there will be a price to pay. And what is that price? Banav yirat, yirat dalim viadav oh no. His sons will satisf, satisfy or must satisfy the poor and his hands will return his wealth. So not only will he have to return his ill-gotten gains, but his children will wind up paying off the debts of the poor. And which poor? Probably the poor, the people who are impoverished by their very father. And not just a financial reversal will take place, but a personal punishment will come down on the wicked as well. And here one one wonders whether it's so far is hinting that this is exactly what is happening to Eov. At smotav male'u alumav His bones wither away in his youth, and with him, that is, along with his withered bones, he will lay down with them in the dust. Now, as in chapter 15, I think the word malau has an extra aleph, so I'm not translate. I'm translating it as wither rather than malay or full. But either way, the sense is that a person dies before his time because of his sins. Just to sum up, the sinner may look like he's being rewarded according uh, according to um, to so far, but eventually he will die young, and his children will wind up paying for his crime, both literally and. Uh, metaphorically. Next, in verse 12, sofar begins a metaphor, a metaphor about food, which represents the profits and rewards of a person's actions, or specifically a wicked person's actions. In <laughs> Tamtik If evil will be sweet in his mouth, he will hide it under his tongue. Aleha He will desire it and he won't let it go. He will hold it in his mouth. As opposed to the sweet taste of the quick success that he has in his mouth of his wicked ways, His food will turn, meaning it will turn bad. It will go sour in his guts. It will turn to python's poison, literally python's bitterness inside of him. So, to feed the emptiness of his stomach, because the food has all gone bad, metaphorically speaking, of course, he will turn to his ill-gotten gains. But, After he swallows his wealth, He will vomit it up. God will eradicate it from his stomach. And in its stead, that is, he loses his first food, it turns sour. He tries to devour his ill-gotten gains, but that gets thrown up out of his stomach. And the only thing he has left, if you remember, was the sweet stuff that was in his mouth. He will suckle on the venom of pythons. The tongue of the viper will kill him. The image seems to be as follows. The wicked person is so absorbed by and pleased with the sweet taste of the fruits of his evil that he keeps rolling it around and around in his mouth, but it doesn't give him any sustenance. So instead, what's little is le- that's left in his stomach is digested. That is the real food, or in this metaphor, the kind of behavior that a human can live by. So he tries to then supplement that with his ill-gotten gains, his chayel, but is forced to vomit it out. And then since there's nothing left, he turns to those sweet things that he had in his mouth, but that turns out to be an illusion because all of those things are poison once they enter the body. What tasted good is not good at all. By the way, once again, we have an extra Aleph here. The word Rosh, Rosh Patanium does not mean head, but it means poison, which is normally spelled Resh Vavshin, not Resh Alephshin, which is how it's spelled Resh Vavshin in Devarim chapter 32 in the in the famous Ha'azinu. Al flagot devash But what he does not get to see or benefit from are flowing rivers and hills of honey and buttermilk. Meshivya, that is the real sustenance that he doesn't get to see, and therefore he won't get to eat it and it won't sustain him. Meshivya kechelt murato velo ya all of his labor, that is the fruits of his labor. He cannot swallow, like the wealth, which it was mentioned the one that he threw up a few verses ago, that he must exchange that he cannot or could not digest. Now I translated Yaalos as if it was uh Os, Yud, lamid Ayin, Samach, with the transposition of the Ayin and the Samach, because it parallels the word Bala to swallow in the first half of the poetic line. But if we avoid switching around those letters, which I mentioned in a previous year, is actually, you know, found quite a bit in Hebrew, Kesev, Keves, uh, Simlan, Salma. But if we leave it as as it is, then Ya'alos with the Samach actually is probably very similar to Ya'alos, and alots with a Zion or itsadi meaning he will not rejoice from his ill-gotten gains. But it, it works. But I, I like the idea of um, he, he's not able to digest it because it recalls the throwing up that we saw of the same thing uh, in the uh, three verses ago. Now, what was the sin? So far, I was going to say, I'll tell you what the sin is that brought on all of this punishment upon the wicked person. Ki azav dalim bayit gazal He shattered the poor and abandoned them. He robbed their home, that is, their possessions, everything they had and would not rebuild it. The word gazal, by the way, in, in Biblical Hebrew, as opposed to the word ganav in Hebrew, has the sense of a forced theft, like, a, like an attack in broad daylight. And what seems to be as bad as the original evil. The fact that he took their things was the refusal to make amends. After he made them poor, he didn't take care of them. He didn't rebuild their houses. He didn't do chuva, we would say, he didn't repent. And that seems quite as bad as the original sin. Um, and the truth is, this, you know, we think of a wicked person, but this could be the crime of any tax collector or any corrupt politician who takes and takes and takes and leaves a person destitute without thinking about the consequences of whether that person will be able to rebuild. And the pathology that drives the wicked person is now explored by sofar. And this is kind of, this is really new in the book. The book hasn't really looked at why a sinner sins, and now he's going to explain why the sinner sins. <laughs> because he never knows satisfaction in his guts. That is, he continues with this food metaphor, but he says the person eats and eats and eats, but he's never satisfied. He cannot escape with his desired things, meaning he takes and takes. But it's never satisfying. And while he tries to satisfy his needs, he is simply not able to escape the beast that is his desires. He can't feed the beast enough. (inaudible) Nothing is left over for him to eat. Again, he devours and devours, but the food runs out before he satisfies his appetite. That's why there is no hope, or there's no use waiting for some good, good with a capital G, because even if he fills his needs, that is, if he finds some point where he's actually satisfied, it will cause him pain, because... All he wants is more and more and there's nothing left to have since every hand of trouble will come to him. And what I I think this means is that if his tank reads full – and I'm sorry for switching the food metaphor to a car fuel metaphor – the people that he took things from – will then have a chance to come back against him. Once he stops devouring or devouring, then the people who he devoured from will come back to him, or or at least to his kids, to get their, um, to get recompense, to get paid back for the things that were taken away. When his stomach does fill up, He that is God will send his anger against him and rain down war upon him. Tach lefehu keshet he that is this wicked person will run from iron weapons bronzed but then bronzed bows like a bow and arrow will pursue him which means if he runs from the short range weapons like the swords that are made out of iron the long range ones like the bronze tipped uh, uh, arrows will catch up with him anyway it the weapon the arrow will be unsheathed and then go right through him. The lightning, which either means God's weapon, or perhaps is simply a synonym for a sword, will run through his gallbladder. On him will be horrors. Sarid all darkness will be stored away for his treasure things that's set aside as punishment for them. And treasure things here, seems to mean his family based on the end of the verse. An unfanned fire will consume him, meaning that the flame that consumes him is not created by anybody else. It's not fanned by anybody else. It's all because of his own doing. Returning to the verse, the refugees in his tent or among his family will be crushed. Uh, the word there is yerah, which comes from reish ayin ayin, which means to be weak or faulty or to crack. Yigalu shamayim avono mitko mama lo. The heavens will uncover his sins and the earth will rise up against him. And After going through the motivations and the pathology uh, um, and the destiny of the wicked, so here in verse 27, it so far goes back to the standard... Um, the standard business of accusing Eov of being wicked. Eov said that he wasn't guilty, and he demanded that if you, that his innocent blood not be covered by the earth, that it be allowed to scream up from the earth. So here it so far asks, sort of as a rejection of that, that the wicked person's sins will be revealed by the heavens and the earth will rise up against that person, which means it won't protect the person, it won't reveal the innocence of the person. The heavens and the earth will reveal the sin of the person. Yigel yevul beito ni garot A flood will exile him from his home, flushed away in the day of his, that is God's anger. Zecheleka rasha imro me'el. This is the lot of the wicked person from God and the inheritance that God has declared. So, in the end, Sofar reverts to moralizing and accusing Eov based on the truism, what's become a truism, that if you're suffering, you must be a sinner. Nonetheless, Sofar's observation on the pathology of the greedy, that the greedy person, that the evil person takes and takes and is never satisfied, even though he's stolen billions and billions, I mean, that's actually a, a very good observation. And it's also an observation that in the end, not only does this person suffer himself, but that his family pays the price as well. I mean, all of this could be essentially on the front page news of the newspapers in these troubled times of the year 2009. Not that I'm pointing to any uh, modern figures that make the newspapers and comparing them to biblical figures, and I'm not trying to point to any prominent members of Jewish society, but, you know, if the shoe fits... Uh, nonetheless, I don't want to wind up into the same uh, ac- accusatory trappist so far of blaming people of sin. That's really for God to do and not for me to do. But I have to say that while Sofar responded in the end poorly by accusing Eov of being a sinner, and that's why all this is happening to him, his observations of the motivations of sinners, his observations of what will happen eventually, that there is a payback or there could be a payback, uh, there's something to be said about what Sofar is saying. Unfortunately, none of this comforts Eov, as we will see in the next chapter.